0: build compelling real-time apps quickly and scale them globally with the PubNub real-time network. Only PubNub delivers the core building blocks needed for any real-time application. Find out for yourself by signing up for free today. Visit PubNub.com. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 146. Recording this live on the 33rd anniversary of Elvis Presley's death. That's August 16th, 2013. We may say, have a moment of silence to remember the king, the king of rock and roll. So just give us a second here. Thank you very much. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. With me as always, on the other side of the world, or the center of the known universe in Toronto. Uh,
1: yeah, actually actually back in Toronto as of last night. So Asif Khan from the uh, Location-Based Marketing Association. Yeah,
0: Welcome, buddy. How was uh, San Diego?
1: It was great. It was, uh, you know, the weather was fine. It wasn't hot. Like, San Diego never really gets hot. But it was sunny. It was nice. And, you know, some good retailers, uh, some good discussion. And the usual part for the course, let's just say.
0: Well, I was sitting here uh, at my desk, and uh, your little uh, Foursquare check-in came up through Twitter, and it popped up. And uh, one of my sons was with me next to me, and he said, uh, "Hey, a Hey, a thief!" And I said, "Yeah." He just, he just. Uh, told me where he was basically through Foursquare and so he said well where is he so I clicked through it and uh, all I saw was in this big map like in the Foursquare map and there's like a little bit of a little spot I think you're having ice cream and uh and there was this big Tijuana thing I'm like yeah I know what Steve's doing he's crossing the border down into Tijuana That's what he's doing. <laughs> he says yeah, he's having I, well, ice cream I, I
1: did stop at the Ghirardelli ice cream shop that, uh, that, that was, was one of my check-ins so that might have been it that was the
0: check-in and, um, and he wanted you to bring him some ice cream
1: there you go. Did you? All right. Did you? Well, it was uh, it was good, uh, and you know we got a ton coming up, uh, but uh, you know I'm not going to highlight it all because there's like literally fifty events going what's on. What's next? Like what's
0: in the, like the near future for you guys?
1: Yeah. The big thing is is I mean we have an event uh, event in Amsterdam coming up at the end of the month on the 29th. But uh, the big thing is is our newest chapter, May is expanding again. We have a new chapter in Dallas. Uh, and uh, that launches September the tenth. Uh, so we've got AT and the marketing arm, JCPenney, all these guys that are based down there are going to be involved with that. So if you can make it out December or sorry September the tenth, uh, six to nine PM. All the stuff is on the website, lbmacom forward slash events.
0: Expanding, ruling a yeah. little kingdom right from Toronto. I love <laughs> something it. like that. Yeah, I love it. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to uh, to push? Are you are you uh, speaking anywhere in the next little while? Uh, I
1: am, uh, but, n- but nothing, uh, I mean, a, lo- a lot of sort of, um, you know, just being brought in by some of our members to kind of just help them a little bit, uh, kind of look at, the- at their own internal past and things like that. Um, and then uh, I'm actually coming to your neck of the woods uh, in a little while, too. Ottawa September. Do some stuff with the, uh, the Privacy Commission and the, C- the Competition Bureau and some of those guys, so,
0: Very yeah. Cool. Very cool. Well, busy as usual, and this show is, is nothing short of jam-packed jam-packed, some great stories. This is what I love about this, is that when we start to talk about location, we start to talk about pervasive computing and, and always on computing. And um, so we've got we've got our six stories. We've got a special guest. His name is Alex Couture, who's the co-founder of Siamese Systems. We're gonna be talking about mobile CSI. That's Mobile Crime Scene Investigation. We're talking about contextualized data and how uh, law enforcement is gonna use big data and how it's all gonna get in there through a mobile device. We've got uh, our Mobile Minute with uh, Chuck Martin. The author, Chuck Martin, he's going to be talking about li- literally who's benefiting from the mobile, re- mobile retail war. We talked a little bit about this around geofencing and the battles that are going on with geofencing. And he's going to elaborate on that in just over a minute. Uh, we've certainly got our app of the week, a fascination by this thing called Mixbit. It's, uh, we'll come up with that in a second. It's our app of the week. And, of course, our resource, which is a staggering number, which you guys are selling out, I think, too cheaply. We're going we're gonna to cover that all. In the next little while. And of course, as you can tell, if you're watching this or listening to this, I'm suffering from the ultimate in disease right now. I'm, I'm afraid to tell you, the fine watcher, fine viewer, fine listener, that I actually have what is known as the man cold. <laughs> I have resisted many times calling 911. I'm getting no sympathy from my kids or my wife. But I know you men who are listening to this right now understand, you do understand what the man cold brings. It is a disaster. I do not wish it on my biggest, deepest, worst enemy, but now I'm suffering from it. So I must have done something in a previous life to actually garner this kind of hate and pain. So yes. bear with us.
1: Oh, and, and and you know, one of the things that works well when you have a man cold, Rob, is... is what. With lots of desserts and, and you know, just junk food and stuff like that. And it reminded me to welcome our newest member of the LBMA who joined this week, Krispy Kreme.
0: Oh, come on. Really?
1: Yes. Well, hook us up, Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Krispy Kreme. Yeah, shout out to you. Uh, welcome to the LBMA family and uh, look forward to working with you guys. Sh- send us some donuts. Yeah,
0: exactly. I'll take some right yeah. now. It'll help with the pain that I'm feeling, right? In my lungs and my nose. Anyways, mm-hmm. so the man cold and Krispy Kreme. So I'm going to give that a try and see if I'll let you know how that goes. Okay. So uh, before we jump into this completely, I want to start with our mobile minute, which is uh, Chuck Martin, who has written a number of books on mobile. Uh, We're doing this daily and it is actually uh, taking off quite extensively. Um, I love doing these because it's always great insight and it's literally, this one's a little bit longer than a minute, but really this is such an important topic. We touched on it last week about this whole idea around geofencing and the impact of geofencing, your competitors' locations. Chuck actually wrote an article. This is his version of what we were talking about last week with our Mobile Minute for today. Here it is. Here's Chuck. Welcome back to another Mobile Minute. There is not a better marriage, is there, Chuck, than mobile and deal-seeking. And certainly, this has got to
2: be the single driving, biggest driving factor in the mobile industry right now. Yeah, big tidbit. Uh, Groupon just released a sales report, and they, their quarterly numbers—they hit six hundred million dollars, which was not a really big surprise. But what the was surprise is the big surprise is that um, about half of the transactions are now from a mobile device. A year ago, that was that was uh, under a third. So they're gone from a third to about half of everything being on mobile. And companies like Groupon, Rulala, La Gilt, uh Gilt—this is where they come in. They basically are essentially hijacking the 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 consumer during the course of the buying process. And what's going to happen is you've got a consumer in a store and they're looking at things at the store, they're researching on their phone, and all of a sudden they're getting an offer for a deal. It's totally unrelated to the retailer, to what they're doing, but it still impacts their purchase dollars that they're looking at, at the moment. And those dollars can be diverted instantly. The retailer has essentially no warning that this is happening. And, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, it's a good thing for consumers because they're getting, they're getting all these deals. And, and ultimately, it's the purchase decision cycle where the the activity is happening and it's unseen. And the bottom line with mobile is a, a good a good idea that doesn't really care who has it uh, or when it occurs.
0: And we saw a study recently where it said that uh, people who hijack or geofence their competitors' location have a 12 percent click-through rate to their product. So they're basically stealing their customer from their their competitors, into their own store to buy their product. This is a this is a war, a retail war of, of the likes we've never seen before.
2: Well, that that's really savvy marketing, and, and I've been arguing for some time that that's the better use of geofencing than trying to get someone essentially using them when they get near your store, or your your outlet, or wherever you're selling. Uh, it, it's really being much more strategic in blowing this stuff out, and we're we're still early in the commerce stage, so there's really there's a, there's a lot of innovation to come.
0: That's the Mobile Minute from Chuck. Thank you very much. If you're interested, you can subscribe to them every day. You get them five days a week. Go to the iTunes uh, app store or wherever you get your podcast RSS feed and do a search for uh, Mobile Minute or on We appreciate Chuck doing that for us. All right, let's talk about uh, this amazing little app fascination that I have just started to immerse myself in. Uh, When you take the co-founders, two of the three co-founders of something called YouTube, uh, Steve Chen and Chad Hurley, uh, and you take 16 seconds of video, not 15 like Instagram or six like Vine, but you do 16 second segments. You've got something called Mixbit. Now, this is a really fascinating application. I'm going to explain how it works very quickly. You probably heard this. Stop me if you've heard this. No, no, nobody's yeah. telling me to stop. Okay, well that's good. I like that. Uh, so uh, this is this is an app called Mixbit, and what it allows you to do is it allows you to to record 16 second video segments and then paste them together so I can literally up to 16 seconds and I can actually have videos that last one hour in length so it's not just 16 seconds which is or 15 seconds which is Instagram or six seconds which is vine this allows me to do multiple 16 second segments up to 16 seconds and then I post it up through the application through the Mixbit app and then it, what it does it's basically it grants anybody the ability to use my clips and append or add their clips to my clips so you basically uh, and and the video can last up to an hour so basically you get this crowdsourced in theory if it works you get this crowdsourced video that can play up to an hour with 16 second clips pretty fascinating and you know I'm thinking there's, there is a total brand play with this. There's a total business play with this. There's a total location play with this. And I wanted to explore that with you because there are some great ideas. People are using Instagram now for, for brand. Brands are using Instagram and Vine. Not, maybe not so much anymore. But uh, for you know expanding their, their brand into the mobile world and the location world. But here's something that, like Mixbit, really allows you to take your brand ambassadors, I think, and create some amazing crowdsourced information about you, your products and services which is pretty cool. Any ideas come to mind how people can start using Mixbit?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, the first thing that I thought about when uh, when when we were chatting about this earlier is is really the applications around news gathering uh, and, and creating sort of events based on, on on things that are happening on the ground. So you you know you think about CNN, you think about iReport, you think about all this kind of stuff. You know, um, you know, Ushahidi that we talked about a year ago on the show. Um, you know, from uh, crisis situations like, hey, do you think about what's going on in Egypt right now? Oh, man. And, you know, if, if people down there had mixed bit and they're shooting 16-second videos and then they start to, like, paste these things together and, and all of a sudden you have an hour long, you know, of what's going on on the ground uh, put together. So for me, that that's a prime application for something like this.
0: It really is. And, and it, you know, I think that... Especially because this is a service that probably isn't blocked. Like if the entire internet infrastructure is blocked, like they do in Egypt or like they, like, yeah. you know, they often do, then it, it's not going to work anyways. But you can capture this kind of stuff, and once it's up there, you can actually assimilate all the same similar uh, videos from across the internet or yeah. across the uh, the Mixbit world. Uh, very fascinating. And uh, well, you know
1: one thing that would be really interesting, I think, too, Rob, is, is think about a mashup between banjo and Mixbit.
0: Yeah. Right. Something yeah. like
1: that where it's it's very event specific. Uh you know, and right now they've got Facebook and Twitter and YouTube or not YouTube, but you know, all that other Foursquare and all that content coming in. But if you could have video content uh from something like Mixbit coming in, that would be really interesting.
0: It it, it would be fascinating, I think. And and uh you know, closer to home I've seen some great Mixbits that are around um uh, you got to talk to Damien about that, by the way. Um, yeah, so there's some good mix bits around concerts, or uh, you, you know, there's um, say there's. Uh, you know i've i've seen a dog walks in the park sponsored by iams for example where where they've said listen you know go out and film your dog walking in a park and, and you, you wrap your brand or you wrap your moment around that thing so you know this this dog walking video brought to you by iams right and you can do those kind of things mm-hmm. and and uh, you know there's opportunity here it just shows you that that the contextualized location video world is opening up and i just sat with we had a clip of it last week uh, with chris savage from wistia at wistia.com talking about the impact that mobile is having on video not only production but distribution and also uh, brand building through video and how most of us are now consuming a a mass majority of the video through these devices whether it's a tablet or a smartphone so if your brand out there think about something like mixbit think about a platform like this that enables your brand to go out into the masses and and you know create crowdsourced content Mm -hmm. for you which is which is pretty cool so you can see it at mixbit.com, or you can download it in the App Store. It's a it's a pretty cool tool, and it, you know these are not these are no slouches, right? The, you know these are the two guys, two of the three guys that that uh, created YouTube, and they were uh, certainly ahead of the curve there. Maybe not so much ahead of the curve here, but this is a unique twist on it. And Gigom and Om Malik loves this. He thinks it's the future, and and it goes along with really that application that we I talked about a couple of weeks ago, which was the Everlapse, which yes. was the uh, animated GIF animated jpeg equivalent to this which is uh which is pretty cool so there's a trend here and we're following it we're on it so that's mixbit mixbit.com
1: awesome all and, right and, and what would be better rob than a mixbit bit around every springsteen event or concert? oh my god he's a- everywhere he's not he, he, he it's the best live show out there today i love it asif <laughs> i <laughs> cover it. rolling stone right now covering the rolling back.
0: stone uh, okay Well, you know, and uh, you know, just for the uh, Springsteen Live update, uh, he has confirmed that he will be doing a number of shows in February and March in uh, uh, Australia and New Zealand. And here's a little tidbit for you fans out there. Um, I'm bound and determined to do this. Uh, Not only is The Man 63, but no mention of the current tour, the current album tour, right? So, this is the Wrecking Ball Tour, is what it's been called. So, no mention of the Wrecking Ball Tour, which means, booyah, new music coming out sometime between now and February. You heard it here. Not only are we talking about location, we're talking about Bruce Springsteen breaking news here as well. So, that's it. Springsteen yes. segment over. Let's get into the news, buddy. So, All uh, right. carousel. Google carousel. What is this, and why do we care about this?
1: Google Carousel. Uh, this is about, you know, Google, so, so this is actually, you know, I'll start by saying a Google product that I think has a future. What? Not, not Latitude, not any of that other stuff, uh, because cause this is about local search. This is something Google knows. This is not them but about them trying to be social and all that other stuff. This is about search. It's about visual search. It's about events, uh, you know, based on location. Um, but it's very local um, and carousel as the name implies you know you type in search for you know Los Angeles events in Los Angeles or in San Diego where I was or wherever um, and it just brings up this carousel of of things concerts photos. and yeah. photos you know visual based search uh you know around events and it sources this content from event sites so eventful songs uh or song kicks or um, i think ticketmaster other things as well so um, you know, so it's rich content, um, and I think there's there's huge applications for this around advertising and and opportunities to sell product uh, inside of these and connected to these visual search results.
0: So how do how can brands really make sure that they're like this is only in the U.S. right now? Uh, and yep. it's only for certain categories like restaurants, right, um, and service industry like that, restaurants and bars. Um, so is there something that 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 these guys can ensure? That because these are now, like literally, if you look at the screenshots that I just put up there, what you're talking about is, is basically uh, a bar across the top of your Google search results. So they're knocking out advertising. It looks like they've just stripped the page clean and, and they put the, the, those at the top. So there's got to be a way to monetize that. But until you got to make sure that you're, you know, you're, you're getting enough five-star ratings, right? This is about basically making sure that at least when you, your uh, business comes up that the results are good for you. Right.
1: Yeah, so so it is. It's local restaurants. It, it's um, concerts that are happening in that city. It's you know uh, any events, sporting events, stuff like that. So for me, um, especially with concerts and sporting events, you yeah. know, if you bring that up in the in the, in the visual carousel there, and then you, you see, hey, the uh, New York Yankees are playing you know in, in town tonight, and you and you click on that image, you should be able to buy a ticket. Yes. And, and and they're sourcing the data from Ticketmaster anyways you know uh, or stubhub or wherever they're getting it from so I, I i see you know an opportunity where you know google is going to you know potentially drive traffic take a piece of the transaction all that kind of stuff so there's so from a marketer's point of view the the focus has to be if they if if they're going down this path is to make sure that your event your content your whatever is listed in all Very these important. other source sites right because it's not google itself you're, you're listing it with it's through all these other affiliate parties that they're, they're they're pulling the content from That's so if you're not if you're not on there you're not on there
0: and it's funny. I mean, I think that there's two different products here. There's the web product which is the, the sit back and lay back experience, lean yeah. back experience. And then there's that mobile product which is <laughs> if it, which should be interesting to see how they do this because, you know, if I'm looking for a restaurant and I'm doing a location-based search and I'm looking yeah. for a restaurant, like I don't want to see the dishes as much as I want to see the front door, the location of it, mm-hmm. the way they do it in Google Maps. So, really fascinating here. So, you you're kind of uh, optimistic about Google oh, Carousel. I
1: yeah. oh. oh, am. Yeah.
0: I like it and I like go. the idea of a revenue stream that is uh, that is kind of leveraging the advertising base but getting portions of transactions cuz you know advertising won't do it forever for Google and I think they re- they obviously realize that All right there you go Second story, uh, you know, this is this is one of these things. We talked about this just a little bit before we started recording, which is uh, there's um, a company in uh, London that is doing these recycling bins that uh, have interactive advertising on them. So, uh, flat panel screens that are doing advertising. And, and unbeknownst to the population, to the public that walk by, they've been scooping MAC addresses in order to maybe try to customize the advertising a little bit more, more for them. Um, but then somebody found this out, obviously, and they, didn't, they weren't proactive in telling people that they were doing it, and now they've had to apologize that they're doing it and basically turn off that feature of these recycling bins like we got to get used to the fact that we talked about this last week that we are now in a kind of we are in an always on always connected always being tracked world and here's a perfect example of that although maybe a little bit pr would have been a little bit better although i don't think that even with our suspicions around being tracked that we would have ever allowed this at this moment in time right um but these public Recycling bins, they were, they were basically pulling your MAC address from your mobile device and, and uh, not identifying you, but identifying the device that you're using and then trying to push some good advertising to you.
1: Well, at the end of the day, as, as much as I think they could have handled this a lot better, I mean, so th- these are bins that have been in place effectively since the, the Olympic Games were yeah. in London. But they haven't been tracking
0: uh, since They that. haven't
1: been tracking. So it's just recently in the last few months, they added these things that they call orbs that basically track uh, the Wi-Fi MAC address, if you will, of devices that pass by it. So they don't know who you are; they just know that they see that device over and over again. You know, uh, so it's patterns, right? This, so it's it's, it's pattern.
0: You have one um, MAC address, and when you walk by, it acknowledges that, and it'll it'll gauge how many times you've walked by that place, or um, and then basically, I mean, there's a whole bunch of these, right? So they're they they could track yeah. you pretty effectively.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, what you have here is recycling bins which you know for any municipality you know anything whether it's a recycling bin a garbage can a newspaper box a, you know uh, whatever it is these things cost money yes and the, and cities are struggling to find that money to, to fund all this stuff so they go out they develop a, 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 a you know proposition here with with private sector let's put this stuff in you can run digital ads on the side of these things uh, and we could change the content and, and personalize or, or contextualize, if you will, the content of those ads based on those patterns of people walking by, this is, the, this is what, I, what we talk about every day at the Location-Based Marketing Association. This is what location-based marketing is and should be. Yep. So you know, for me, the only mistake here is they didn't tell people uh, <laughs> that they were doing this, right? Had they come out and said, hey, by the way, this stuff is tracking anonymously tracking you, and here's why we're using this data to make sure that the ads that show up on here are more relevant to you. You know, I think sure you'll still have people who are upset, but a lot of people will be like, well, at least you know, at least we know, <laughs> right, exactly. what's going on. Are you going to take a different route? You know, to, are you going to walk a different route to what a been? No, you like at the end of the day, we're being tracked anyways for the you know all the time. Uh, and this is a good use case of it, and 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 you know, hopefully they they resolve this because I, I I don't want to see these kinds of things disappear. I, I think this is we need more of this. this is, it's
0: important. It's important. And if I, I elevate this a little bit to the uh, to that master viewpoint, where I think like you know what, look, have some tax implication to this, right? So yeah. like you know what it, you can this is going to happen. We know this is going to happen. But if look, it's a recycling bin. So do this. Here's an idea yeah. for the for uh, London and anybody who wants to implement this is that. Look, let them. You know, we in our resource we talk about the number of people that the percentage of people that are willing to give up a little bit of their identity for deals, right? Um, mm-hmm. a, or customized deals. And so, look, l- let me put an address associated with my MAC address, and then every time I put something in a recycling bin, give me a credit, and then at the end of the year, write me a check for the equivalent of the credit that I put yeah. into that I've contributed but, to recycling. But it's worth
1: something, right? So it, it is. There has to now, be a, a compensation yeah. for this. Sure, sure. Uh, I don't disagree with that the notion of that. So. Yeah um there's opportunity yeah, there I think th- there's definitely opportunity there yeah. and, and I think that there's there's a lot more of this kind of stuff that oh, yeah. you know you can engage the private sector and you can even engage the citizens in funding this yeah right uh, in different w- in different mechanisms you know like w- w- where's the kickstarter for government projects
0: oh yeah exactly caught right. up in red tape yeah i little... mean
1: what should ha- should be happening because you know what in every little town in every little city around the world, I bet you there are projects that the city, the municipalities want to do, yep. they can't raise the money, it never happens, and yet in the same city, there's you know 10%, 20%, 30% of the population that wants it yep. and is prepared to pay for it. Yep. So why not let them?
0: Well, you know what, uh, the research, uh, the, the medical field and the research field have done this. So, so Yasser Ansari, who is the uh, founder of Project NOAA, we've talked yep. about him many times, uh, not in a while, we should get him on. Um, he on Untether talks last year. He talked about this uh, organization that had basically become the the crowdsource or the crowd funded version of of uh, you know uh, research R and D in order to help uh, you know combat disease. Right. So maybe there's not enough government funding, but publicly funded opportunities yeah. like this are, are totally. incredible. So why yeah. couldn't you're right? Why couldn't they do this for municipal, municipalities and municipal projects? I think that's fascinating. fascinating. Uh, very cool bigger pic- bigger bigger picture here that we're talking about and and certainly data is valuable like this and uh, I, I think the communication part is essential right even the even you know the UK government talked about uh, how many cameras they were going to put in London and it's the most photo it's the most mm-hmm. uh, recorded city on the planet and uh, and people have gone on with their day they were just upfront about it so maybe that's what they needed yeah, here exactly pretty cool though like this is this is the Internet of things this is where we're going. Got to get used to it. But PR and communication is a little bit better. All right. Our third story. Big deal. I'd take $200 million bucks in my pocket. Right, now. I'd, take a, I'd take 10 bucks in my pocket right now. What's this? Millennial Media? Yes. Heard of them? Yeah. They bought a company
1: this week. They bought JumpTap. Yes. Is, we've talked about both of these companies over the last year and a bit. Uh, the size of the deal, $225 million. Jump. Uh, change. Yeah. In stock, I believe. Yeah. Um, Low risk. So So it's not a cash deal. Um, uh, There was some overlap. I mean, the JumpTap did provide some solutions. So there's, you know, it was a competitor in some respects. But, you know, for me, this is a horizontal deal. This is, you know, adding new product, new IP, uh, you know, that JumpTap was bringing to the table that Millennial didn't have. Not unlike the, you know, the Monster Media, uh, you know, with buying locomotive deal that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, very similar in that essence, and, and I think it just says that you know the market around this is maturing, you know that you know the mobile ad networks uh, and the of home networks coming together with the screens and, and mobile and the, you know all that kind of being tied together, you know there's a lot of, of movement in that space, you know between you know, blending video, blending screen media, and blending mobile and, and tying the together.
0: Was this you know a, a lot of the reports that I read, the stories that I read was uh, you know that uh, you know now Millennial is probably the largest independent ad network uh, by by picking up JumpTap and and this is what they need to do to fight to fight Google in this space because obviously mm. Google is dominant in this. Uh, was it that angle that you think they did this for, or was it the angle that said like JumpTap had you know uh, you know really dense, really great user profiles and Millennial had uh, you know uh, locations basically, and they wanted to put those two together in order to be able to do what we talk about the cross screen. I think yeah. it's the
1: latter I, I think uh, JumpTap had some really good technology around uh, you know creating ads Profiles, and contextualizing yeah. the ads to fit sp- specific devices and screen sizes and things like that uh, and that necessary wasn't necessarily where, where millennial was you know they they're a strong ad network so they yeah. have great locations so, so I think that combinations really Really
0: powerful. $225 million. All stock. Um, so very low risk, but probably necessary in order to be able to do this. And, and you know, it's a, it, that's, that's the way that you bring on, certainly, it's the way that you bring on good talent. And yeah, so, Millennial buys Jump Tap uh, for $225 million. Well, 225 equivalents of millions of dollars, right? You have to materialize yes. into something. Something has to happen in order for somebody to get that money out of there. So who would buy Millennial Media? Huh? Apple, Google, Yahoo? AOL. AOL? Uh, yes. How about um, you know, Amazon? Amazon, yes. Yeah. All
1: right
0: okay so uh first three stories we're gonna come back on the other side of this with the other three our last three and our resource of the week we're gonna jump right now to uh an episode that i did of on tether.tv with alex couture who is the co-founder of siamese systems these guys do mobile csi it's a tie like a product whose time has come it's one of those weird things that cops still use pens and paper right and they carry these devices they go back and they put it into an archaic system and they type it in if you've ever been stopped for a ticket you know that it's it takes a long time and boy wouldn't it be better if you were just like you know, if if uh, you can do checkout and payment at uh, Apple stores uh, right where you stand from a mobile device, why can't cops issue tickets and do CSI mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, report on a crime scene? So that's what Alex and his company are doing, getting great traction. They're a Canadian company, getting great tra- traction in the United States. We're going to be talking about, quite literally, uh, contextual data around CSI and what big data means to law enforcement. So here is Alex. We'll be back on the flip. Well, I always think about these devices, you know, there's a lot of it, cars, they have black boxes, right? For all intents and purposes, they have dash cams, they have all of these things that protect the integrity of the law, right? So where you are, what you've done, the dash cam is one of these great things that we all see these, you know, uh, crazy adventures on television with dash cams. But I look at this as as my own personal black box, right? So this follows me wherever I go, it tracks me wherever I go, people know where I am, people know where I'm going. So, you know, there's gotta be a way that your software leverages these things, right? So for audit control and and for, you know, testimonies, like and making and corroborating of evidence and, and, you know, say there's a foot chase and whatever it is like, do you think about that and like what the future of this is beyond the software of collecting information around a crime scene do you start to think about this as basically the pulse just put this you know launch this app once put it in your pocket and we are tracking you we we will con- not control you but we will we will be able to uh, when needed pull the data out of this phone in order to support something that happened as a result of uh, you know an arrest or something like that
3: yeah i mean i, I think my, my short answer is that but I, I just
0: i just the, went into a very long question man you gotta I give me a long the, answer
3: the motorola uh, two ways that they all wear today. Yeah. I see that going to a smartphone yeah. and I see sort of sort of this, you know, ecosystem of different technologies coming onto that device. It's not just crime scene investigation and incident management, it's, you know, it's a whole bunch of things. It's two way communication, secure communication. I think the networks need to build up to it to allow for that. Um, but there's a gamut of different things. And, you know, location-based services, I mean, why aren't we using them? Yeah. And it's not about it just to just kind of keep employees accountable, but, you know, it's it's really about officer safety at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, as bolt-on technologies come on uh, to these devices, I think we're gonna be in a much better place. And that's, you know, us as as uh, members of the community and that's officers doing what they do every day. And, and, and what I've learned about police officers, actually, they're all very, very passionate typically about what they're doing Um, so the notion of them having access to a smartphone well they're going to use their own smartphone if you don't issue one out of the agency or the department so you know it's going to be one of those things that i think we need to bring some policy and compliance and just understand and come to the reality that you know these devices are just needed to make these folks more effective we're just going to have to figure out how to pay for them and do it securely
0: yeah that's always we can see the benefits of of, clearly we can see the benefits where are the other opportunities for other guys like you? you 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 found a niche and you will expand from that niche and start to you know once you're in there i guess the plan is you know you trust us for this now you're going to trust us to do a whole bunch of other stuff but you know it just seems that that every piece on a police officer's body right every device that they're carrying is ripe for disruption, right? So you can talk about sensors on your guns. You can talk about sensors on your badge to track you. You can do the two-way communication. You can put, you know, heart monitors and blood pressure monitors to see, you know, if they're in a tense situation or they can't talk or, you know, so like it just seems at some point that that, uh, and maybe I'm just overthinking this, and I've watched RoboCop many too too many times. <laughs> But there's got to be, there's 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 opportunity for every, everywhere in the police department to assist with these devices, isn't there? Like, even, like, I think of a Google Glass inside of a, sure. on a cop, right? Or a watch or something. Like, there's got to be, this is a big opportunity, isn't it?
3: No, there, there's a ton of opportunity. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's, it's just the complexity of selling in the space and monetizing these solutions. That might be a, a prohibitor to an innovation. Um, but... Listen, I think it's going to take a few people to be really successful at it, and then I think that will spur just greater innovation as we move along. Listen, I think that there's going to be a day very, very soon where we use iPhones to do mobile drug testing, where, you know, I foresee the day of dropping uh, unknown substance on – Uh, a film that sits on top of your iPhone and it doing a very quick check to see if that's cocaine or not. Um, I I see a lot of things coming down the pipe and, you know, now that we're in this space of selling into law enforcement, being technology innovators, it's been awesome to see actually how many folks have ideas about this. Now it's going to come down to funding, you know, startup uh, investment. How do we build uh, a pipeline of these innovative technologies?
0: I can't agree. I couldn't agree with you more. Just like the possibilities to me are astounding. I mean, I wrote an article maybe two, two, three years ago about, Hey, listen, you want to eradicate drunk driving, which I think, you know, there's two ways to look at these devices. They, they can be, you know, they can be, after the crime, right? Which is exactly where you are. You, you want to make sure that you don't miss anything. And this gives you an opportunity to document the entire crime scene. And eventually, you can see panorama, 3D, all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's also preventative crime measures, right? That these devices have. I said, look, you know, when this eventually is smart enough to become my wallet, my car keys, and everything like that, is that, and know where I am pervasively, and it's connected to my uh, payment methods, and all that kind of stuff that everybody's promising, whether it comes true or not, then, then uh, you know, a simple trigger on this is, is look, Look, If I've bought two drinks at a local bar and then I try to go into my car, sure. It won't start the car, right? So this is the enabler for the car. You want to kill drunk driving? Hand a phone to every single person on the planet or in North America and and then start doing that, aiming towards that. So I like sure. it, it's funny because it's like precog. It's it's you, you want to prevent crime as a result of this device. And and I think right. the data that we're collecting around neighborhoods and and uh you know, the data that that police are gathering and putting into we should be looking at this as big data play as well right
3: absolutely and, and I you know it's funny we've been doing a lot of, of that talk internally and with customers about the role of big data within law enforcement too It's just Huge. tremendous um, and I think we're just not leveraging um, all that's that's accessible right now I and mean, one of the things we've been talking a lot about now is layering on top of some analytical tools on top of the photography that comes out of our software awesome So, you know, if we can start running some trend analysis on, you know, three series BMWs that are getting carjacked in lower East Manhattan, um, you know, like having access, like the data is all there, uh, the intelligence tools are already out there. uh, Why aren't we layering that on top of to really give some really powerful information about what's going on in the community?
0: well context is going to be Probably so be oh it's going to be amazing and, and heads up displays that you start to see you know either sure. glasses or, or on the dash or what like and that's what gets me very excited here is that you don't need a you know a robot to be a cop you just need to be able to enable this and i think the biggest challenge like even for what you're doing in the software is that it has to be simple to use absolutely right? it has to be something that is like Look, I don't want to have to go and search on my device and do all this kind of stuff. What I want to know is that where I am and something passes by, whether it's a BMW or it's a, a, a perp, whatever it might be, yeah. I want a notification that happens. I don't want to have to search. I want people, I want it to tell me what I need to know at that moment, right? And I think that that's the ultimate opportunity here is to be able to take all that data sure. and put it down so that the, the one piece that's so important to me right now is displayed in front of me right now.
3: You know, every time you pass a an officer on the highway, head is down, right? Yeah. Um, and it's because typically they're filling up some document. Yeah. Um, and, and to your point, I think that's precisely, you know, heads need to be up. Yeah. How are we monitoring and serving the community if heads are not up? They shouldn't be buried in paperwork at all times.
0: Sometimes I'm okay so, with that, right? As yeah, I realize yeah. I'm going yeah. 120, yeah. and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> And that is Alex Couture, who is the co founder of Siamese Systems, um, the mobile CSI company. You can find the whole interview up on Untether.tv right now. I appreciate Alex coming on to Untether and allowing us to use this clip for this week in location based marketing. Alex Couture, Siamese Systems. All right, back in the stories, Asif. I love me, my robots, man. I love me, my robots. What is this? This is this is so unique. <laughs> it's a great story. Um, so I, I found this one uh, as I
1: was, you know, kind of looking at stuff this week, and so this is San Pellegrino, the uh, you know the, the mineral water. water, fizzy water company, um, you know, basically giving people free tours of Sicily via robot. So, robots. so you don't need to fly to Sicily anymore. You don't need to, uh, you know, uh, get your air miles all loaded up and, and get ready to book a trip. You don't even have to ever go there. You can just experience it by a robot who's already there strolling the streets for you. Um, and so the way it works is, uh, it's really interesting. And I, and I know you got a, a video we'll show in a second, but um, basically you you um, you like San Pellegrino on their Facebook page, and then it puts you into a queue uh... that you get to you know when, you're, when your time comes up in the queue you get to basically control a robot that's you know going around the streets of uh, Sicily. so this it's a campaign that's running right now it's a lot, August the 17th um, and uh... yeah it's a daytime thing it doesn't work at night it's 9 a.m. to 3, 3 p.m. and uh... yeah you can basically roam a robot around Sicily and experience it as if you were there
0: watch this
3: Sure, I would love that. Yeah, just throw it on me, I guess.
0: Should we go for a stroll? Yeah, that would be awesome. Well that that is awesome. This guy literally walking down the street picks up a girl, says, Listen, can I carry your grocery bag for you? And that's that's what that video was. Uh, and if you didn't see it if you're not watching this, if you're just listening, it's basically a like a, a a screen and your face appearing on that screen, and then you can control where the robot robot goes, and and it's got this translator that basically you know yep. you can speak and uh, it translates my language. It's like, but yeah, it's like, it's amazing. Cool. So why why do this though? Like it, like you know this is one of those things that we talk about. This it's it's kind of like the one to one marketing, right? Um, like is this is this. This drives likes on their Facebook page. Is that ultimately what this is? It's a unique way to drive likes, other than spending on advertising.
1: You know, I I think it's 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 sure it's a unique way to drive likes, but but I think this this is about um, you know a brand that you know looks at the values of of what San Pellegrino is about. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't drink San Pellegrino every day, right, or or Perrier or anything like that, but. When I do drink it, is when I'm, you know, sitting out on a patio somewhere, um, you know, uh, you know, maybe on vacation, you know, maybe out, you know, uh, at a business meeting somewhere else. But, you know, typically I'm out, you know, somewhere uh, at a restaurant or you know at a cafe or something. It's not something I'm drinking at home, per se. Um, that's just me. So
0: you I don't no crack up a San Pellegrino. I think, I think
1: no. it's about it's about creating that image that that the brand wants to say. Look, you know. Think about being in Sicily when you're thinking about drinking sal- San Pellegrino. Oh, think about yes. that, you know, that, that that association with our brand to you know this beautiful Mediterranean place and you know what that's like—that hot summer sun and what you can see out there and and you know the j- j- just how picturesque it is and how nice it is to have a San Pellegrino when you when you're experiencing it.
0: I love it. I, I mean, I think it's a, a fascinating thing. Like, a, you know, it's it's certainly unique enough and. Uh, like uh, this is this is why I you, you know it's this kind of a, innovation and imagination that will fuel this marketing world. I, yeah. I, I like it.
1: And they did they did say in in, in the, one of the articles I was reading that the uh, the reason they picked Sicily specifically is that all the fruit ingredients in the drink actually come from that from that island. So.
0: So our, our fifth story here. Let's let's talk about this because um, you know there is a, a world evolving. Like we, we've talked about this many times. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. This is what this what what's happening here is that we've got companies that measure digital, the digital world, the, the impact of digital, the impact of location, the impact of mobile. And Then you've got companies that that measure uh terrestrial data the number of people that walk in the stores the number of people that walk by uh, you know a street corner the number of people that uh, literally walk by a recycling bin right with their mac addresses and and uh, you know ne'er shall the two the two meet and i think that that's the biggest challenge right is is putting those things together is that what we're talking about here when placed is is kind of evolving into what they consider the COM score for the real world
1: yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, there, there's a, a massive demand by, you know, a lot of the agencies, media buyers and folks that, that we work with and talk to, you know, they 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 want better data. They want yes. uh, new metrics. They want to understand. I mean, that's why the stuff we talked about, you know, I don't know, a couple months ago with PlaceIQ and, and Starcom MediaVest and that whole the place visit rate thing that they developed. Uh, is is being seen as as valuable that's you know so placed is, is very much in a similar fashion uh, in a whole different approach so this is about you know mobile app developers, guys pushing services out there having a mechanism to test you know the effectiveness of these things so what they've effect- what, what they've built here and what they've announced this week is that they they have a panel just like you have you know a Nielsen score you know a, a survey group a panel so this is opted in mobile panelists. Right, and they have a hundred thousand of these people now on board that are going out and measuring the effectiveness of these apps uh, based on, on location. Uh, and we're gonna see more of this. I mean this this is, you know, this you know, meeting that need for better data and analytics around, you know, the effectiveness of mobile applications, the effectiveness of the ability to deliver an ad, a coupon or whatever, and, and do people actually act on it is location, you know. Really a catalyst. Worth it, yeah, really worth the premium that everybody uh, wants to charge.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that it, th- this is this is so valuable, right? Uh, because conversion happens, it, it can happen in the mind, right? Like, yeah. I, I'm going to go and buy that product eventually, like there's a check mark in my head that says, yeah, I saw that I'm going to go and do it. Um, and then there's a direct conversion, which is, I, I would say, which is 90% of what's going on, 99% of what's going on right now from a mobile device. And then that other 1%, So it's 98%. The other 1% is brand awareness and association, right? So that I keep seeing the same Mm -hmm. ads. So I start uh, recognizing it's KFC or whatever it is. And then the last one is the conversion, the click-through to buy, right? And I think that that's a minority right now. And I think that that will grow. As these devices become those wallets that we think that they're going to become, and the payment becomes efficient, and everybody's got the trust, and um, but it's it's a fascinating thing right now because you're right. We talk about this as being the most measurable device, the most personal device, uh, and yet it's going to take somebody to you know like this in order to be able to uh, to be able to show us like placed to yeah. be able to show us that this and, is and, a, in fact worth the premium.
1: And, and what I like about this is is that it, it like Comscore and some of these other things. It, this is a true panel. So yeah. there's a hundred thousand people on this panel. It's crazy. It, intended to be representative of the entire US, you know, population. Yeah. So, you know, it's made up of all demographics, it's made up of all ge- geographies within the US. It's a t- it's it's our true panel. So, it does give you the ability to look at the percentage of, you know, the population that actually went to a business and 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 visited it. You know, it does give you the ability to compare that data to, you know, the overall demographic of the US population. You know, all those kinds of things that you would do in normal you know, uh, sizing and market demographics—that's what they're going at. Just doing it for the mobile
0: world. You know, I think that uh, we should just uh, collect all MAC addresses. Yeah, every but not every tell voice. people about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, don't tell anybody. And then yeah. we, we've just got everything. Our sample size would be far greater than a hundred thousand. You'd be able to see the conversion rate. Yeah. Done. Oh wait. <laughs> all right. So that's placed. Uh, our sixth and last story uh we I don't know what it is see if you' got you're coming up with these stories about batteries right uh, it's just it's just what's coming out these days Man, man, man. we've talked about uh, location aware batteries that uh, power down we've talked about location aware GPS that powers down based on uh, you know no movement uh, so that it conserves the batteries Th- this is this uh, this is something that I'm passionate about is that uh, like I don't believe you can invent a better battery at this point right instead everybody's focused on the battery and I say focus on the layers of services on top of the battery see how much you can abstract remove from the device so that you don't drain the battery at this moment right I say take the operating system put it up in the sky give me a dumb piece of glass with a battery that lasts for seven years instead of putting all the smarts inside of the device and here's a perfect example like this ambient backscatter that's what this is called so essentially what we're talking about is wireless communication device device to communications without power it uses radio waves and Wi-Fi waves as the power conduit or power source to be able to send a notification send something from one device to the next this is freaking cool. Like it just shows you, just innovate somewhere else around the battery, right?
1: Yeah, this is just crazy. Uh, You know, the potential for this, you know, just from a hardware perspective, you know, having this capability in any device when your phone dies that you can still send messages, you can still- That's important that's huge right? well, especially you for know, the wallet man that's for emergency the emergency response the wallet issues around hey you know this is my wallet and now it's dead and I don't have a wallet
0: Or I can't open my car I can't start my car you know,
1: there's huge implications for this um so, so I mean this has nothing to do with marketing for me no. this this is about you know just providing people with necessity you know service that must be there right and the ability to actually do things that, that we do every day without
0: you know power being this this obstacle and power is an obstacle but you start to think about project about what this means for sensors right so forget the yeah. uh, you know the mac address uh, you know in the recycling bin what we're talking about here is is this is an opportunity we've talked about smart pavement for example to do uh, you know to do traffic patterns and we've talked yeah. about uh, you know we've even talked about in-store notifications and and pinging and all those kind of things like but these are sensors that that can be embedded into inside a brick these are sensors that yeah. don't need power Right. All they need to do is is accept the, the radio waves that uh, you know be able to leverage the radio waves. And um, so look, this is this is an opportunity to be able to you know this is this is a field test. And you know uh, I'll run a video right now. We'll take a look at how this is it, it operates. But think about the potential for this and think about is this the last obstacle that needs to be overcome the concern that people have when they say well you know if my battery runs out of my phone i don't ha- have access to my wallet maybe this is the key so ambient backscatter maybe they can come up with a marketing name for that i don't think that it's the greatest thing but and wireless communication without batteries like implication of this is massive especially that example that it just showed which was the the payment processing capabilities without without batteries man I love lot. I, I start to think about, okay, so now how do you leverage this kind of technology to power a car, right? Yeah. Or power a motorcycle or a scooter to begin with <laughs> through radio waves. And how do you, and then harness that to be able to create enough energy. It would take a lot, I think. But uh, but well, there's a lot
1: of radio waves out there. We know that, right? What, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, your little yeah. tweet there. You showed uh, the, the colorization of the Wi-Fi yeah, signals, exactly. right? Exactly. Well, wow, that's very, very cool. I'm so fascinated by this kind of stuff. It just shows you that there is innovation. You know, Don't go and build a better battery. Just go and figure out ways that you don't need batteries. And this is, this is part of that. Very cool. I mean, I, I
1: think about you know my, the conference I was at a few weeks ago when I was reading this story You know, like the, with NASA and all yep. these guys. Yep. I mean, think about what they could do with this in, in space. Like yep. if they could, you know, j- just taking the wave, whatever waves they're generating there and use those as power sources. I mean, that's crazy.
0: It starts here with a simple payment. Yep. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Ambient backscatter again it's growing on me ambient backscatter
1: mm-hmm.
0: those are the six stories that we covered this week the most important stories that you should know about probably the ones that you've never heard of as well uh, our mobile minute with chuck martin we had our our app which is mix beat mix <laughs> mix beat which is mix bit mix beat will be next week <laughs> um, and alex couture who's the co-founder of siamese systems talking about his mobile csi uh it's a canadian-based company As our guest last piece of business our resource of the week, and, Asif, as we say every week, everybody has their price. Privacy can be
1: paid. Yeah, Uh, this is a report from Infosys uh, called Engaging with Digital Consumers. Uh, And The top stat right off the the bat says 93% of people they surveyed, 5,000 people they surveyed in Australia, France, Germany, UK, and US. 93 percent of them said that uh, they would provide retailers with detailed information if they receive customized offers in return. It's crazy. People, people just want stuff, man. It's all about value, all about relevance. Uh, I say it over and over again. Every conference I speak at, I, I, I talk about this. And the data is here to back this up. You know, And it is about opt-in, and it is about permission-based, and it is about telling people what the value is before you ask them to share their information. That's yeah. the key. Numbers right, here are when, amazing. When you do it, when you do it in the right way, people respond. People want to do it. People want to share their, their data.
0: But there's there's so. always there's got to be some value. So customized deals are values, right? Like yeah. you know, I yeah. never give IKEA my postal code. Yeah. Right. So like, okay, so where's my discount? If I give you that amount of data, there's a value for that. You I mean it's how much uh, you know how how far that you're drawing in what part of the community is so I might be around the corner, but I'm not gonna give that to you. So where's my discount? Maybe it's one percent, and if I do it ten times, I get ten percent on my deal. But they say here's seventy-one percent of respondents said that they would favor retailers providing deals and incentives tailored to their location. Seventy-one percent, thirty-eight percent, only thirty-eight percent said that they would give up your postal code, right? So this is this is a very 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 important statistic. But everybody has their price. That's what we've been talking about. There is a price. You have your price. It might be a latte, and it also might be a customized deal. But the difference is, there's got to be some value in it for the consumer, and if you're not providing it, don't freaking do it.
1: And, and for you this week, Rob, it's it's chicken soup, right?
0: It's chicken soup, yeah. Chicken noodle soup, so, and man... K- Campbell's
1: can buy you for this week.
0: Oh, yes, the special yes. moment. It would be chicken noodle soup if right they now.
1: weren't busy fighting legal battles around you know the use of the word healthy for your heart or whatever it is exactly yeah. As as
0: we inject <laughs> pure salt into your system yes no such uh, thing there. yeah anyways so that's it so retail touch points there's we'll link this up uh, well this I, I mean it'll be in the show notes on untether.tv. this is episode number 146 uh, or it'll be up on the lbma.com forward slash research. Retail, there there you go. RetailTouchPoints.com is uh, who put this out. Very, very, very cool study. 93% of consumers would share personal data in exchange for customized offers. If you're not doing it, what are you waiting for?
1: Wow. There you go. Couldn't say it better.
0: That is it. That is the end of this episode. Episode number 146. We'll be back next week for 147. Any parting words, Asif? Krispy Kreme, where are the donuts? We haven't received them yet. What is going on?
1: I don't know. We, we have, don't have Krispy Kreme in Canada anymore. That's no. the
0: problem. Well, it's probably because yeah, we're 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 the slender people up here, right? We, mm. Yes. There's no Krispy Kremes left in Canada. No. Wow. All gone. That was short lived. Way it, to go, Tim Hortons. It's a shame. Tim Hortons knocked really them on is. their ass, right? Yes. Yeah,
1: but 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 they're, they're, it's a different product. Krispy Kreme is really about you know a dessert. Decadent. It's decadence. Yeah.
0: Well, but, Krispy Kreme. Too bad. Well, maybe they're in the mail. That is it. Asif, we will be back next week. Uh, Have a safe, safe, safe week. And for all of you who are out there listening, watching, whatever you're doing, don't get the man cold. It is a disease. I will start my campaign against the man cold if you want to make a donation. I I accept them more than, more than, more than gladly will accept them to help find a cure for this. I'll be back to 100% next week. But uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking around. We'll see you next time. Asif, safe week, man.